Um, good morning, everyone. It is really good to be with you and um, share with you the second sermon in the series on prayer. And didn't Dale get us off to a good start? He gave us a really good uh, sermon about why do we pray, gave us a lot of overview, and then actually gave us some very practical tools. And he was talking about what's your ordinary prayer life like, and now we're going to do some extraordinary prayer. So one of my questions, if you were there last week, you don't have to answer it publicly, is just how was your extraordinary week of prayer? Did you use some of those tools? Was it helpful? Was it a hard slog? Were you like, yes, a moment of breakthrough in prayer? What was it like? Just leaving you time to think about that. What I'm going to look at this morning, there's going to be some overlap uh, with Dale, um, but we're going to look more at our personal prayer life with God. I'll call it the secret place of prayer. We're going to look in a few weeks about corporate prayer when we meet together, but this is about just us and God. That communication, Dale talked about its communication, its connection with God. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. So it's a huge um, and important thing for us to look at. So I am... just wanted to talk more about the importance and power of prayer. And we're going to start with the fact that sometimes we need reminding of things, like the basic stuff. We need encouraging. We need to be reminded that we were made in the image of God. He created us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the creator God who longs to have relationship with us. That is what he longs for. That brings him delight when we come to him in prayer. And obviously it all starts in the Garden of Eden. And I'm not going to share tons about the Garden of Eden. But obviously there was that humankind. We were the pinnacle. God enjoyed being with us in the Garden of Eden. And actually left us to, to look after the garden and to walk. We walked with him. We, there was no barrier in our relationship with God, we could have that conversation with God. But as we know, Adam and Eve kind of messed that up, didn't they? And they, the one thing that God said, don't do this, was the thing that they did. They doubted him. The snake, the serpent came in and said, do you really trust God? Do you really think he's going to um, provide for you, keep you safe? Go your own way. Try this. So they took the apple, and everything changed. Everything changed. There was that barrier and that separation because of our sin, because of our pride. And I think what's really good to look at at first, I was reading a book by um, Bill Hybels about uh, being too, not being too busy to pray. I'm trying to think of the title of the book. It's a bit of a wordy one. But actually what it said, I'm just going to get water while I do this, um, is that prayer is an unnatural activity. You might think, wait a minute, I've been a Christian for a while. It should be the most natural activity to spend time with God. But if we actually look at the world around us, the place we're born into, it's about pride, independence, self-reliance. It's about our own success, our own achievements. The focus is on self and Dale talked about this a bit. And, and actually, do we need God? Or actually, I can just do this by myself. We're judged in that kind of way. 
So actually, that kind of, it's quite countercultural for us to come to God in dependence. And even more in the Western world, there are other cultures that are much more interdependent, much more relational in terms of family, in terms of community. So even more in the West, it's almost we bring up our children, now over to you. You know, we don't leave them to it, but it's very much about your own independence and what you do. And that is what we're flying in the face of when we're talking about let's pray and be dependent on God. And at different times this morning, I'm going to share little snippets of, of different times of prayer that I've experienced. And one of the ones in terms of looking at our independence, and it wasn't in the context of personal prayer, it was actually in a prayer meeting. And I was getting very stressed and putting a lot of pressure on myself in the workplace. I just moved back from overseas. I was working in a prison where they didn't offer you many, much training. It was a highly stressful place. The problem was, is I was putting too much pressure on myself within it. Yes, it was a stressful place, but I was almost like, why am I struggling so much? Why can't I do this? It was very self-focused. Why is this such a hard thing? Why am I not achieving this? Anyway, I was in this prayer meeting. I can't say it was an audible voice, um, but it was almost, and this is where I think God has a great sense of humor. He... he um, he is often much more funny than we think he is. And actually, he said, and it was almost, it wasn't really direct, but it was like, Rachel, you haven't done this before. And I was like, what do you, in that moment, it was all literally like you haven't done this before. Like you haven't been a 35-year-old working in a prison. Why would you think you can do it without me? Do it. And I, can't, I, I kid you not, I... It was such relief and such revelation, almost, because it was God saying, you need me, you're not made to do this by yourself. Why would you think you can do this? You're a child of God. You're meant to depend on me. I, the release was so much that I literally laughed hysterically. So we're in this small prayer meeting, and I am just having my little moment laughing in hysterics. But it was such a freedom, and it was that reminder of, like, you're meant to do this with me. Come and ask me how we do this. And it was such a freeing thing. And I felt as I was preparing, there's maybe some people this morning that need to know that this morning. Because we actually put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And it might be like, you haven't been a mum of three before. It's okay, come to me. You haven't done that job before. You haven't been 58 before with this, this scenario. Like, I'm not expecting you to have it all sorted. It's not a test, this life. He's saying, come to me. Come to me with all of it, because you're made to be dependent on me. So in the knowledge of it's a bit of an unnatural activity, we can be very independent, self-reliant, um, and, and almost everything within the culture says that. We're going to look at someone in the Bible. I mean, there's many. Um, but I wanted to look at someone who was very dependent on God. What did that look like? And I do feel like if I was in a Christian quiz, and you kind of say, what's the answer? It'd be one of those ones where they go, Jesus! And this is it. We're going to look at Jesus, because what an amazing example about dependence on God. Although what's interesting, I don't know if you've thought about this, but Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
And this is, there could be a whole other sermon, and I'll leave the elders to go through that. But fully God, in that he performed miracles. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He rose from the dead. But he was fully man in that he submitted himself to the laws of this world. To the laws of gravity that mean that you drown if you don't know how to swim. Actually, he submitted. So a bit like Phoebe, Jesus had to depend on Mary and Joseph to do everything, to be changed, to have water, to be fed in every kind of way, just as Phoebe is looking to Quincy and Sophie, and that's what they need to do. Jesus submitted himself to live a human life. So it's really interesting that what we see is, wow, was he dependent on God. He didn't walk around going, I got this, we're all right. What we actually see evident is his dependence on God. And he actually says in John 5:19, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. So he, he, he was acknowledging, I can't do this by myself. I'm doing what my father says, and we're doing it together. So there was that dependency. And we're just going to look at particular passages where it's clear that he stepped away he made that move to spend some time just with God, away from all the mayhem. And if you could think about it, what a glorious, but I can imagine pretty crazy life following Jesus and being Jesus. All those people, once they've heard about the healings, wanting to follow him, wanting to touch his cloak. There was a lot of busyness around him. And there's two examples where he just makes sure, well, there's more, but we're going to look at two today, that he goes away. He takes himself away to be with God. So in the context, we're looking at Matthew 14, 22 to 23. And Jesus has just fed the 5,000. So he's with a lot of people on the mountainside. I'm sure a lot of them were attentive and they want to know what's happening next. What are you going to do next? But actually it says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples go into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So he knew what he needed. He was like, okay, disciples, you go on ahead on the boat. Right, crowd, you need to go back wherever you go, because their home might have been quite far. But he made that choice, and he was like, I'm going by myself to be with my father. And it's very clear here, because it says he was by himself, and that he was praying. He knew that he needed that time, that powerhouse time with the Lord. And then what followed is he walked on water. So it's almost sandwiching with all these healings is this time with God. Dependency on God, the powerhouse of time. And then the miracles that were seen around. In another time, and I don't know what it looks like in your Bible, but the heading in Mark uh, 1.35 actually says Jesus prays in a solitary place. And again, he just healed Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. He'd driven out demons. And it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. I can't imagine those people who, are, they're all there for him. They're following. They're attentive. They want to know more. And... What a pressure that would be, but he's like, I know what I need to do. I'm getting up early, and I'm going to meet with my father to a solitary place where he prayed. 
So he dis um, displayed that dependency on God. And then Dale also touched on this uh, briefly last week. When the disciples were asking him, how do we pray? And, and we looked at the Lord's Prayer. Um, before then, he says, when you pray, this is Jesus in Matthew 6, 6. He says, when you go pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is Jesus himself, when you pray, it's not if you pray, it's when you pray. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your father. Get, get away, come and talk to your father who is unseen. And then what's beautiful, he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's a, there's a reward, there, there is some treasure that comes when we take ourselves away and we spend time with God. Also, when we look at Gethsemane, Jesus knew what was coming ahead. What a huge thing he did for us on the cross. What did he do? He's like, I'm going to go away. He wanted that, and he asked the disciples to be with him, but from a distance. But he went away by himself. But it speaks about what great anguish he had. That, that definitely felt like a wrestling kind of prayer. Because um, he knew what was coming. But he was real and he wrestled with God. And I, I can only imagine that what a powerful time that was before going to the cross. The beauty, but yet the anguish and how he came before God. Now, prayer, God changes things. We pray things. So I love that Jen shared her testimony because I was going to kind of sneakily use it. Because God, Jen prayed one day. I mean, you were praying for a while about work, but there was a very specific, she would say, I prayed Wednesday night. I was like, this isn't really working, Lord. Do you mean? And there was almost that surrendering, like, there needs to be some give. Then on the th Thursday morning, there comes this offer, like, from, a, from an email that wasn't almost a direct offer, but you're like, God can do that in his wisdom, and he loves to listen to his children and answer them. Nothing is impossible for him. But I don't know about you, but often I feel like in that solitary place with God, the biggest thing he does is change us. So yes, he can answer and he can do specifics. And he wants us to come to him with specifics. But also he changes our heart. And I just want to look at Philippians 4. Uh, 4 to 7. And this kind of talks about the dependency and the way that we should live with, with God. So it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And actually, when I was preparing this, I really felt like there are some people today who need to know the Lord is near. Even sometimes just that comfort of knowing he is near. You might be feeling like he's far off. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
And when I was looking at this, it was interesting because there were two kind of words that, that popped out at me. Anything and everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's almost like there's no no-go zone. Bring everything to God. And I almost feel like if we twisted it the other way, if we bring everything to God, I could imagine that we won't be so anxious about anything. Actually, if you're dependent on God and walking in that close relationship with him, it's the beauty of what he does and stills in our heart. That actually, we, that, and it talks here, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in both these passages, in Matthew 6, it says, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And here it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's almost that promise, come to me. And there's loads of other scriptures we could look at where God's saying, come to me. Come to me if you are weary. Come to me. Be dependent on me. And there's those promises about peace. There's promises that he will reward. And I was thinking, um, what I love, when you think about prayer, there's different ways and there's different tools, and Dale gave us some really good tools. And there are times when we just don't want to and we need to kind of be disciplined. There's a place for tools, and I probably think I'm, I kind of share more on the emotional, <laughs> intuitive kind of side of stuff. And we're going to talk a bit about tools and what we might need to do to shift things within our own uh, time with God. But actually also... We can be completely real with God. I think Pippa shared something where you might actually feel that you, you struggle in this area because you don't actually, maybe it's shame or maybe you feel like you can't come to your father. And there's plenty of times in the Bible where we see people, Jesus was raw in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming ahead. And in anguish, he's saying, God, take this away from me. He's being really real. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Psalms, I find great comfort in the Psalms. Often I'm looking at David and going, I don't know whether I really relate to the whole foes and enemies and can you thwart them and whatever. But he was really like, this is what's going on. Thwart them, do this, I'm in distress. Do it like he was real and raw. But then he was, you very much often would see in Psalms, there's this change throughout them or there's like, but I will put my hope in the Lord. But I will put my hope in the Lord. And then he goes and praises him. So it's almost that again, he's coming to God. He's being completely real. But God is changing him and changing that perspective. Um, so I often, God can do huge, amazing, mountain-shaking stuff. But he longs for our hearts. And that's almost the beauty of what he wants to do in the secret place as we come, as we put everything aside and just come to him. And I've got a bit of an example um, of a time where I realized that he really changed my heart in prayer. So I... I felt God speak to me about moving to Malaysia, I, this is, um, and I'd never wanted to go overseas. That was not something in my DNA. It was a bit of a shock to the system. But also, I thought it was just for a year. So like Nathan is doing a year sort of internship thing, I signed up for something that was a year. And I ended up in Malaysia, and I could tell you more about how it happened. But almost on day one, God said, this is for longer. And I was like, 
what? Because as soon as I arrived, the heat hit me. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I am not happy with this. This is like living in a sauna. I can't do it. And it's really interesting culturally how much weather can really play into how people do their life, how they feel. And I was not doing very well. So one with the heat, but then even thinking this is longer. So I came to God. And I almost felt a bit like he got me on false pretenses and it was going to be longer. Do you know what I mean? So this is a real wrestly time. I'm like... Lord, I followed your call, but I can't, I can't do this. Like, this is too much. And also, I mean, I did it jesting. And don't get me wrong, I know that God could change the temperature and climate of a whole nation and a whole region. I don't think he's necessarily going to do that for me because I'm uncomfortable. But sometimes I did have that, like, could you just turn the temperature down a bit? Because I think I could live here for longer if we just had the temperature down. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> So there was this wrestling with God, and, um, and what he did in that moment, he's just so amazing. It's, it's the intimacy of how he knows us, how we're created, and how he wants to tell you, I knew this before you were born. I predestined this. So I um, have two sort of passages that is almost in my DNA. One was given on my baptism, so it's Isaiah 58. I'm not going to read it all out, but it talks very much about this is the kind of fasting I choose for you to... And it's very much about serving the poor, clothing the naked, um, serving people in that way. And that's very much been my DNA, uh, working the charitable sector here or also overseas. So that was like my passage. You know, sometimes you have that like, that's it. And it was like in this prayer and this wrestle, he's going, let's have a look at verse 11. So I'm like, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched sun land and will strengthen your frame. Do you know the wonders of the Bible? I read that because that's my passage. Do you mean like I'm, I've read that all the time? I don't know what I was thinking there. I'm thinking that's a hypothetical, difficult time. Do you mean like, and God's like, sun-scorched land, hot place. And I'm like, Oh, my word, you knew this. Like you, obviously, he did. But sometimes in his beauty, and when we wrestle in prayer, he says, I knew this, and I knew you were going to be in a sun-scorched land, and I will strengthen your frame. This may be a shock to you, but actually, it's not to me. I knew this, and I am here with you in it. And then also in Psalm 139, love this chapter, and if you need encouragement in your prayer walk and what it is to come near to God, it's a beautiful one for thinking about how wonderfully we're created, fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's wombs, how he knows how many hairs on our head. I mean, it's, oh, it's so rich. Um, so often, sometimes, I, if I'm struggling in prayer, I'm going to read that because it draws me to this loving God who knows me. So again... I look at verse 9 and 10, and, he is, and it says, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. So I'm like, yes, I've read that. I'm just like, wherever, you, wherever I am, you're going to be, if you know what I mean. And then he's like, settle on the far side of the sea. I mean, Malaysia is quite far from the UK. And I was like, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Wowzers. In that moment, he really met with me. I was like, I don't like this. I'm going to go home because it's too hot. I'm asking him to change the temperature of the whole country. Did he do that? 
He's able to, but he didn't. What did he do? He's saying to me, I love you, Rachel. I predestined you to be here. I knew it was going to be a challenge, but I am going to strengthen your frame, guide you, and hold you fast. That changed me. It didn't mean that I still, still didn't find it hot, and I don't know how I did four and a half years there, but God wants to come and meet us in, the, in our heart, in the place of our heart, in the intermost, pla- in, intimate most place. And I feel like this morning, in one sense, you can look at prayer and you can feel that kind of condemnation because you feel like you should be doing more or whatever. And we're going to look at different tools and that's really good. Sometimes it's just, we need to be reminded of the complete love of God for us and how he longs, we are children, and he wants us to be fully dependent on him. And I just want to say, I'm not very good in this area at the moment. That hasn't always been since I've come back from Turkey And whether that's disappointment or whatever, I love prayer. And if anything, I was like, Quincy, shall I lead on prayer and let's champion prayer? And so I love meeting with people and praying. I love hearing them or whatever. But I'm struggling in this area. So it's almost like as I'm sharing, I'm preaching to myself. I'm reminding myself of the goodness of God and the fresh invitation. Come to me. Come to me, whatever it is. If you feel you're just going to angsty, be angry, come to me. He knows it anyway. We cannot hide anything. And see what he does in our hearts as we do that. And the prayers that he answers. He will answer those prayers. They may not be right there and then, like Jen's almost the next day. He might not answer them. But he wants the heart. And that's almost the invitation as we look at prayer again in these weeks. Come to him afresh. Because he knows it all. He's for you. He loves you. And he's almost like, come under the shelter of my wings afresh. Let me show you that I knew this was going to happen. Let me show you that I know that you can't do this. That's why I want you to come to me. And what I wanted to do now is give us a bit of time. I don't know. I quite like interactive kind of stuff afterwards that we can talk about. Where are we at in prayer? And none of this is with any judgment What I would love us to do is just in twos or threes, and then also if you've got a family, talking to the kids about prayer. But actually, start a dialogue. What I'd love to get us to think about was almost, in an encouraging way, what's your most amazing time of prayer with God, intimate prayer with God? What happened? What ways work with you? Jesus went up to a mountain I don't know, there's not many mountains around here. And there might be all kinds of challenges that get in your way. Is it in the car, spending time with God? Is it going on walks? What is it that almost facilitates that time? Because actually there is, Jesus was very deliberate in moving away, getting people to go away, and then he did something. He was very deliberate in investing in that way. So what, if you're struggling now, what has been good in the past in terms of your walk with God? And what could improve? And then just spending some time praying together for one another in this area. So again, twos or threes. What works well? What are those beautiful times? Let's encourage one another. What's the best way to do it for you, to spend time with God? What could improve? And then pray for one another. And then Quincy will wrap things up later and we'll spend some time.